What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to Nightmare on Film Street. The current time is 6.66. Traffic is clear ahead from here to the afterlife. But it's hell outside. For the next hour, you're on Nightmare Time. So, let's give a grave welcome to our hosts, John and Kim. Hello again, fiends, and welcome to Nightmare on Film Street. I'm Kim. I'm John. And this week, we are shouting at the devil. Shout at the devil! Shout! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if I had just got a half a second longer. I was was waiting for my cue. Oh, that was good. We are winding down, winding up. We are wrapping up. Believe it or not, (laughs) this is us winding down. (laughs) It has been a long quarantine. Uh, Believe it or not, August is almost over, and that means hot as hell month is coming to an end, and we are closing it out with two killer, heavy metal, devil-tastic, demon-tastic, evil, sinister, flames movies. (laughs) That's right. This week we are talking about Jason Lee Howden's Deathgasm and Sean Burns' Devil's Candy. Shout! (laughs) (laughs) Before we get into this week's films, John, what is keeping you creepy? Well, we are in the middle of the- Quarantine! Yeah, we're in the middle of quarantine. (laughs) Guys, did you know? Because based on how I'm seeing people act, no one does. Oh boy. Anyway, who cares? Doesn't matter. Um, it it does, but (laughs) (laughs) for the purposes of this podcast, it doesn't matter. We're in the middle of the Fantasia Film Festival right now. The virtual edition, the first ever virtual edition of the Fantasia Film Festival. And we've been watching a lot of movies. A ton of movies. Yeah. You know, like the, one of the cool things that's happened during the pandemic, during the quarantine, is that film festivals have opened up. So that way people who aren't living in the city where the film festival takes place can actually finally enjoy it. I think I was talking about it last time. Uh, you know, if you live in BC or you live in Winnipeg, you can finally experience Fantasia. It is worth saying, though, that that most of Fantasia, not all of it, a lot of the live events are available worldwide. But most of the films, if all of the films are geolocked to Canada, which I'm secretly super excited about because there's so many cool virtual film festivals happening in America that I don't get to be part of. There's one. There's one coming up in uh, in October. That's a partnership between like three every or single four. genre yeah. film festival ever, and it sounds amazing. But luckily for us, 
we have some help this year with Fantasia. Normally it is John, myself, and Chris. Shout out to Chris Aitkins in Montreal who cover Fantasia. But we have a slew of writers helping us out this time. So we've actually gotten a chance to watch some movies for fun and stuff. And How, um, how often does that happen I mean, at film festivals? We you are, barely have time to sleep. <laughs> we are still turning out a bunch of reviews, but we do have some great voices on the website helping us. So if you want to keep up on all the genre films and all the quirky, weird stuff that's going to be hitting the world soon, there's tons of reviews at nofspodcast.com. John, are there a couple films that you want to shout out? First, I want to give a shout out to Paul Lee and Stephanie Cole, who are also helping us with this, which is great because, you know, as Americans, this is the first time that they've had a chance to sort of taste Fantasia. That's a weird way to describe it. Oh, we also it. have our editor, Grant. Yes, of course. Grant is also helping. Grant uh, DeArmit is... Uh... Our secret weapon, really, in everything that we do. Um, <laughs> we give him no credit and make him do all the work. <laughs> yeah, actually, he reviewed a movie recently called The Climate of the Hunter, which sounds really bizarre. I don't even know, well, how did he describe it? Like a, like a gi- giallo vampire movie with jello, I think is what he said. What? Maybe I'm mixing my things up. I want to see that one about a bunch of giant squishy monsters that turned into food that Chris reviewed. Monster Seafood Wars. Yes. Yes, so it's a kaiju movie, but, you know, uh, they're trying, as they're fighting the kaijus and they don't know what to do with these, you know, like, giant octopus limbs that have fallen on the city, they decide to start cooking it, and apparently, these monsters are delicious. (laughs) I love a movie idea where you start with the premise, like, what if the monsters taste good? As for us, one of my favorite movies that I watched so far for Fantasia actually came out in in the 1960s. 1966. Uh, It's called Sting of... Death. <laughs> Had to look at your notes for that. Huh? I did. <laughs> um, it's coming. I think it's it's been restored by Arrow Video, so it should be hitting uh, an Arrow release soon. Which I'm going to be stalking them until it comes out because it was the most bonkers, silly, hilarious movie. It's basically some dude in a scuba suit who's got like a giant jellyfish hat on, and he's just murdering a bunch of teens who just all they do is dance horribly by the pool. It's great. I oh, I loved every minute. But I, you know, like like all of those. Like a good handful of those monster movies from that era, I can't figure out whether he is able to. Is he part jellyfish? jellyfish, I don't know. Or if he's actually a guy who's killing people (laughs) disguised in a jellyfish costume. We did watch it at like four thirty in the morning, so. Well, there's no denying that the school of jellyfish that these people are like ah freaking out about is were Ziploc bags. Ziploc bags (laughs) floating on the water. Five stars. Five stars. Oh, so good. Opening night of Fantasia also brought us Neil Marshall's new movie, The Reckoning. Uh, You may remember Neil Marshall's uh, previous films, The Descent and the new Hellboy movie that came out recently. The Reckoning is, uh, I thought it was supposed to be more of a movie about plague doctors. In I wanted, that time. yeah, I wanted plague, plague doctors, not gonna yeah. lie. Well, I mean, the promo photos were there. Why plague would, why doctors. Would, why wouldn't they use the I mean, the it right is a time of pandemic? plague. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a movie about the witch trials and a woman who's accused of being a witch because she doesn't get sick. Yeah, it, it gave me very, like, Sleepy Hollow vibes. It was okay. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's I, coming I soon. There's there's a lot to be said about you have to get over, like, what you want out of a movie because what you bring to a movie can also, like, color your perception of it. So I think now knowing that it's a witch movie, um, if I give it a shot again, I might have a different experience because I was just like, where are the plague doctors? There's some cool ghost stuff. There's some interesting uh, late night booty calls from the devil. Everybody loves a booty call. <laughs> Especially from the devil. <laughs> shout out the devil! Shout out. <laughs> 
but it just kind of like went a little too back and forth to me like oh she's being interrogated and then they throw her in jail back to prison and then she's being interrogated and prison. they throw her in jail it just it, it didn't it unfortunately didn't do a whole lot for me i will say though one great practical effect with a squished head that you are gonna love don't spoil the squish something may or may not squish enough said in the head. Yeah. Look out look out for that one coming soon. You know, actually we're we're also in a period where movies are starting to come back to the theater despite the fact, you know, you know, just because Tom Cruise went to the theater does not That was mean... such a weird, like, yeah. the world is norm- normal propaganda video. Like, big are you going to trust Tom Cruise screen. with anything? Yeah. I no. wouldn't even let him hold, like, a bag of grapes he I want to eat. He hasn't <laughs> seen a real person for 35 years. <laughs> Let's be real. Sure, occasionally, like, a journalist interviews him, but the whole time... But then there's... he jumps on their couch and then it's weird again. Yeah, you know... Tom Cruise, but oh, thumbs up. Tom Cruise says we're safe, guys. Let's go back. So anyway, what I'm, get- what I'm getting at, <laughs> tenants in the theater and uh, and also new mutants. Uh, you know, if if you feel it's safe to go is to the Is it theater, really? Is it a mirage? I, I don't know yet. Technically, <laughs> the, the moment we're recording this, it's not. They could snafu late night. Oh, joke's on you guys, not happening. Which, <laughs> it's just a new trailer for new mutants. If that's what it was, I would not be surprised. We're going to try to catch uh, one or both of those films this weekend. Yeah, they're playing at our local drive-ins. Not together, though, so we got to go on two separate nights. We're going to go see The Spy Who Shagged Me with Tenet. I'm very excited. All right, John well. keeps saying no, but he knows it's already happened. Well, that's because at a different drive-in, like 20 minutes away, they're playing Tenet with Unhinged, and I think Russell Crowe is uh, a crazy person, but also, oh, you got to look up the promo videos. It's so good. (laughs) uh, You know what? I'm just going to drop a little bit of it right here. Enjoy this. This is Russell Crowe trying to sell you on his new movie, Unhinged. They say there is a catalyst at the heart of the cinema experience, a social contract, a binding dynamic power that lifts the cinematic experience into a realm of intimate connection between the audience and the screen and the stars in the heavens beyond. They say. But who are they? Some conceited, pretentious fuckwads who try to piss in your pocket and tell you it's raining. Well, fuck that shit. I got a movie coming out. It's called Unhinged. I'm not fucking with you. It's called Unhinged. And it's going to be in cinemas. Off you go. It's wild. I right? watched that for two hours. <laughs> That's the I yeah. I want to. I just want to see him at a press junket telling you about the movie. <laughs> so yeah, Tenet's coming to theaters. Uh, New, New Mutants coming to theaters. Finally, I will say, John, you did forget one of your Fantasia films that I know that you would be there, sad. There are twenty movies of Fantasia, but I re- I, I know about. you'd be really sad if we didn't mention Fried Berry. Fried, okay, so fried, fried berry, see, guys. See, I just know. <laughs> I had a feeling she was going to talk about Slacks, a movie about an evil pair of jeans. Oh my God, so good. <laughs> but there's uh, there's a movie playing at Fantasia right now from South Africa, from a d- director, Ryan Kruger, called Fried Berry. It is so off the wall, midnight madness. Like, d- to sum it up perfectly, our reviewer, Chris Atkins, who, uh, who advocates taking hallucinogens while watching movies, wants you to know 
you do not need to take drugs to watch this movie, to enjoy this movie. It is, it is nuts. It's a, uh, you know, I don't want to give away too much, but essentially it's a heroin addict in Cape Town who gets abducted by aliens. Maybe. Maybe. Allegedly. Maybe. And then just kind of like over the course of 48 hours just goes on this weird, wild, fear and loathing in Cape Town adventure. Oh boy, it's bizarre. Yeah, we're going to try to get the director, uh, writer-director Ryan Kruger on the podcast. Yes. So hopefully that'll work out for an episode of Nightmare Alley because I cannot wait to figure out where, like, how this movie was born. The The lead actor is... Incredible, is right? So good. He's got maybe five words in the movie. Oh, so good, though. So yeah, but that's that's my big recommendation right now. Keep an eye out for Fredberry. And Slacks! And Slacks. Two X's. <laughs> from the, from Evil Jeans! Yeah, from the Horror Collective. Um, that's, that's definitely gonna be coming out soon, I think. I do want to do one quick shout out because I always forget to plug it on the podcast. Our web store is full of cool new stuff. We have tons of new horror merch. We also have a new t-shirt design by Robin Banks, our artist who did the um, horror movie marathon tee. We he now turned us in to the Maitlands, guys. We now have a horror for the casually obsessed tee and it's very Beetlejuice-esque, uh, but definitely not infringing in any way whatsoever. <laughs> no, neither is this Texas Chainsaw shirt that I'm wearing right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, head to store.nofspodcast.com. There's tons of generic horror merch, Halloween-y style t-shirts, as I said, our Nightmare on Film Street stuff. And we are also launching up a new newsletter that we're going to be throwing out there every uh, every couple weeks or so with tons of new updates and stuff. Yeah, like we, we publish tons of content every day because we've got it's like an incredible team of writers at NOFSpodcast.com. We don't want you, we understand you do not have the time to read everything. Uh, but, you know, if you if you want to keep, you know, be kept abreast of the highlights that are, that are, be kept abreast. I don't know why that was, yeah, like I immediately was just like, who are you? <laughs> like, what is Shut going? it down. How do I edit this out? <laughs> um, but yeah, so sign up to the newsletter. There's a pop-up on the store.nofspodcast.com website. There's also a sign up in the sidebar of our regular website, just nofspodcast.com. But check that out. Check our merch out because I always forget to plug it. So it's probably gonna be another three months till you hear from me about it. Shirts at the devil! Shirts at the devil! All right, that's probably a good sign that we need to get out of here. Shut up. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure you're sick of hearing us talk about uh, movies that you can't see yet, and um, and Tenant. Nobody wants to hear anybody talk about Tenant anymore. Jesus. Let's talk about some fucking heavy metal movies, right? Whoa. Let's get into it. Let's shout at the devil. Let's talk about Jason Lee Howden's Deathgasm. That's me, Brody. My friends are losers. So we started a band. Check it out. Ricky Daggers. Is he dead? Wouldn't it be crazy if the music had something to do with demons? Demons. We're all gonna die. I translated those pages. Now, people are turning crazy. Like, possessed. Crazy. What's up? That was pretty cool. As is, I mean, the axe and the...
Jason Lee Howden's Deathgasm is currently sitting at a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 2.5 out of 4 from RogerEbert.com, and 3.3 out of 5 on Letterboxd. It's always a shame when you can't rate things like with devil horns or like I mean we can it's of, our podcast out of 6.66 for have any heavy metal related movies by the way they got to make we can we do that we, I, we can <laughs> i think we should can we establish that now all heavy metal movies must be rated on a 6.66 scale agreed all right this whole podcast let's, and any other oh <laughs> let's do the deathgasm shake on it you can, yeah, yeah you'll have to believe that yeah, it happens it did we did it <laughs> It happened. Uh, so I'm going to say this. I really like heavy metal horror movies. You, okay. Not, not even just horror movies. Like you, for some reason, were the person was the person that reviewed Heavy Trip, which is just like a fun, cute movie from Sweden about oh, a heavy I metal band. fucking loved it. You, oh, hell, you also reviewed that Rory Culkin one. Yes, I did. Lords of something? Sa- chaos. No, chaos. I, I almost like, said Salem, Salem too. <laughs> yeah, that one was dark. I guess I just like metal movies. Uh, you I, all, I will say, you're not a big metalhead person, but you like metal concerts. I love a good metal beer tent. Yeah. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. No, I- You've I, never said no to me dragging you to a heavy metal show. I, and I really like seeing bands that I'm not familiar with. Yeah, because, especially heavy metal. Yeah. It's and gotta I, be heard live. Well, and that's that. I think that's the thing, too, is that they write their music to be played, and uh, you can't really say that for a lot of other genres. Yeah, like, we had a great time at the Lady Gaga concert. Could have just had just as good a time with a bottle of vodka and a Bluetooth speaker. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, my mistake. Sure. Wrong artist. Yeah, I don't know. It's super fun. It's, it's got a great fun vibe. Uh, it's got that, like, rock and roll, but there's also something a little bit risky about it, something a little evil about it. It's like horror and rock mixed together, which are two magical things. Are you saying you don't like heavy metal movies? I just don't know where to go from here. Oh, okay. I, I was also, like, you're I'm, being very quiet. I'm like, I'm do also, you not? Is this is a surprise? I'm also trying not to just be like too fucking like, yeah, right now, because where do I go from there? If I start level 10, I love this movie. I can't, I can't ramp it up. Yeah, so we, uh, we actually missed this movie when it first came out. So it came out in 2015. The first time I had seen it was on the last drive-in no. with Joe Bob. You yeah. seen it before. No, the... I had not. Well, I had. Well, I had. <laughs> you know, what's funny, too, is that this that means that this time around is your first time seeing it from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Because I think on Joe Bob, we came in halfway through. Yeah, we came in, like, for the sex toy zombie smashing, <laughs> and I was like, what is this movie? Because <laughs> yeah, I good. like it. Because <laughs> I like it. Because I think it's just swell. Yeah, heavy metal movies are just too much fun. Like, way too much fun. Like, okay, it's a horror movie. Your main character's an outcast. Big surprise. What cooler outcast is there than a metalhead? Whose mom is a meth head. I love how, like, quickly they they, they just burn through, through all that. the characters and the plot and stuff. Mom is introduced and gone so quickly. And all the characters' names come up on that fun, like, uh, line art, paper, hand-drawn cutaways, which are super great. Oh, yeah, like... It, Anytime a character is introduced in this movie, too, they get the full page doodle treatment, and it rocks. Yeah, the beginning of this movie is very super bad in terms of its dick doodles. You know, like, maybe what I like about heavy metal movies, because I can't think of a heavy metal movie, horror heavy metal movie, that doesn't involve music being the object that invites evil. Which is always great, because it's, it's, um, 
it's almost like satire in itself. Hell yeah. Because pa- that's what parents hated about heavy metal. Oh, like, yeah. Kids listening to heavy metal in their, their bedroom in the basement. Because, Worshiping like, the devil. Exactly. And all of the movies play on that. And that heavy metal is always associated with the devil. And, I mean, you have movies like The Gate. And you have Trick or Treat. Yeah. And you have, uh, there's so many, like, what? Black Roses, Lords of Salem. Fucking all of them. Yeah. And it, it's always about invoking the devil. And everything that your parents warned you about was true. Yeah. And that just makes metal cooler. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, and yeah, I love that it's always vinyl too. Like it's gotta be physical media. And it's 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 it, for the most part, for a lot of kids, it's uh they don't own vinyl. Like I'm surprised even the kids in this movie like vinyl. True. 2015. These kids it's were a, on that early on that wave. Slightly pre-vinyl. Yeah. And I think the best thing about these like heavy metal versus the devil movies is that you learn that these kids are actually good people. Always. They're always the heroes of these stories because they are, they're good at heart. And so it's like, almost like you should just trust your kids with the music that they like to listen to because- It's like horror movies. They have a moral compass. Yeah. They're the ones that saved the day from the devil. They are the ones that brought the devil in. They may have- Intentionally brought the devil. the devil in. <laughs> I mean, that kid was getting it on all fronts, right? Like his, his- uncle his cousin really is a fucking monster like he could not have picked worse relatives to live with he does kind of get his comeuppance though (laughs) (laughs) oh boy does he but the biggest shithead like imagine that you live with the worst bully in school yeah they don't really go into his home life because there's one scene where the cousin's girlfriend medina actually kind of has a crush on brody the lead character and they beat the shit out of him. Oh, like, yeah. Like, puffy black eye. They're kicking him in the ribs and the gut. They cut him, I think? I don't remember. I don't remember. But they fucking trash his room, they too. They beat the shit out of him. And then he has to go home to, to living with guy. him. Like, imagine being bullied by somebody and then having to live with them. Yeah, like, there isn't a whole lot of, like, it, it, they don't really show his aunt and uncle hating him or anything, but they're kind of, like, they're church people, so yeah, they're they seem scared super square. Yeah, yeah, uh, they seem super square. They seem super square. And they got a, a box of zombie fighting tools in the closet. Yeah, we'll get to it. It's funny. It's pretty great, especially since that box is labeled church stuff. I love it because they know that the boys are never gonna look at it. <laughs> oh man, I okay. I gotta fuck it. We're we're here. We're talking about it. If you got a box hidden in your closet no matter what the label is on it if somebody what's your do not look at on the box writing like what do you okay well i'll at least say back when like i first started writing like short story ideas novel ideas um and i was doing it on my laptop i was you know the the concern was always that somebody would get on your laptop read your writing oh no call you an idiot read your writing look at your favorite pornos yeah so the the, (laughs) all held together in the the, same folder but i also understood that that was just a silly fear that like people are gonna have to read your writing at some point so the folder that i kept my writing in initially was just a folder called naked photos of john (laughs) (laughs) because one either they're not gonna click on it or two they're gonna go i gotta see this and then open it up and just see my soul spilled out on pages you know oh and then then you'd share a biscotti and talk about your feelings over tea. Yeah. But if I had a box, it would just be labeled taxes. Or, to be perfectly honest, maybe even just dildos. I would write soiled baby clothes. Ain't nobody gonna open that box. Yeah, except we're people that don't have kids. Which is funny. 
And well, then you would think that there's a body in it. I I would be like, well, I have to open this now. Like, like this looks like it could be filled with evidence. <laughs> I definitely wouldn't write church stuff. I think it was pretty smart to write church stuff, except for you know when there's demons out and about and you need as many crosses as possible. Yeah, get the church stuff. You're like, ugh. You know, on the other hand, any weapon you're using to fight a demon, church stuff. <laughs> Those anal beads were church stuff. <laughs> oh, what if that was the defense, right? Like, no, 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 no. These are tools and weapons. Uh, I the think demons my- <laughs> are never going to see this dildo coming. <laughs> I think my favorite part, though, about that sequence is they, they're, they're whapping them with dildos and they're hitting them with the anal beads. And it's just like... They know it's inefficient, but they keep doing it a little bit more. <laughs> well, yeah, because there's that scene where, like, the demon has uh, has Zack, like, like, against the walls, choking him out. He's like, gotta, gotta reach the dildo. I, like, <laughs> and he just... smacks him with the dildo, and it's like, your fist literally would have been better. Yeah. Oh, boy. It's great, though. <laughs> oh, it is pretty wonderful. It makes for some good movie It's watching. hilarious. It's just a great sequence, and they and they, they really relish in it, too. Like, there's a ton of slow motion, and just, like, dildos <laughs> flopping around and hitting zombies zombies in the face and you're just like oh my word but brody brody comes with a chainsaw just to finish this scene off and like what's what's great about it is that okay we finally killed my aunt and uncle everything's okay and when his shithead cousin comes home and goes what the fuck is going on he just cuts his head off with a chainsaw <laughs> like oh yeah no no he was a demon yeah you know he was he was definitely turning saw it happening <laughs> He's so, was, I think that was my favorite moment of the movie. That was pretty great. And it's it's all in in that actor's reaction to that whole scene, right? Like it's it's played off very coolly. I think one of the one of the funnest things about this movie that I learned mm-hmm. is actually that this exists because Jason Lee Howden won a Make My Horror Movie contest and oh, got two hundred thousand dollars from I, I believe it was Aunt Timpson's production company. Oh, cool. And that's how the movie got made. Right on. Yeah. Like he he basically had to write up a synopsis and create a poster for the movie. Oh yeah. And his was the idea that got sold. New Zealand was just like, yeah, bring on the dildos and the demons. <laughs> I just I, I think that's so fucking fun. New Zealand make some of the zaniest horror films especially aunt timpson though right greasy strangler peter jackson like there's there is a legacy of gory gross balls to the wall horror coming out of new zealand like they they have a reputation for their gross horror oh yeah (laughs) it precedes them and you know it's 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 uh it's up to a new generation of filmmakers like jason lee howden to keep that fucking train rolling and uh he really does this movie kicks a lot of ass like obviously guns akimbo is his other film which is on prime we recently rewatched that too it's essentially crank like crank with daniel radcliffe but the one thing the one thing guns akimbo does not have fucking metal and oh, see, I, I can't talk enough about how great backmasking is in horror movies. Horror movies is the only... Oh, you don't know? What's a backmask? Backmasking is is the, like, oh, there are... You gotta play this record backwards and there's fucking... There's a term for it? There I is a like term we've for got, it. We went over this in our The Gate episode. And Probably. I, I feel like a dunderhead for asking again. But That's fine. It's please. called backmasking. Nobody really refers to that. People just call it, like, subliminal messages, right? Do metalheads go, like, let's backmask this shit See if there's like a secret song on here. I have never, to be perfectly honest, I've never Yo, heard. Yo, we're going to back mask tonight, bro. Call your bros. Yeah. <laughs> Garage, 10 o'clock, bring extension cords. <laughs> no, I've never, I've never actually heard anybody other than like 
I've, I've almost only if ever I Google read backmasking, does it have a Wikipedia page? For sure it does. And it like there's like subheadings for like ACDC. And <laughs> ACDC. I don't know. Who who else gets in trouble for being Metallica? Led Zeppelin, actually. Led Zeppelin. Judas Priest would be the biggest one. Mostly because those two kids that killed themselves, or one that killed himself and the other one who survived. What? Yeah, so that that's like Did the record tell them to? <laughs> According to the parents, yeah. Oh shit. The problem is that like they're just Judas Priest fans who tried to kill themselves. That's that's all that's really at the end Together? of the day. Yes. Oh. At the end of the day, that's that's all it really came down to is that uh some some severely bullied, depressed kids uh tried to commit suicide who happened to listen to metal and and that's and it all ballooned from there. Like the fact that it's metal already has everybody else's hair on edge like they're the, the back's against the wall right nobody likes it it sounds weird and dangerous and scary and it goes against everything the nuclear family is supposed to be in america so it's 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 the enemy and then once you start seeing regular everyday sad things happen like kids getting murdered kids committing suicide and heavy metal somehow is related in some small way or or dungeons and dragons or for that matter in the 90s i remember when games. dungeons and dragons was getting flack and it's just like you know this is just fantasy role play right and they even find a way to include it in this movie it's almost like everything that your parents told you was evil and would kill you or at least lead to the destruction of your moral compass, is in Deathgasm. Hmm. And so, sorry, yeah, the satanic panic is, is essentially just like, oh, we happen to find a heavy metal poster or one Motley Crue album in this kid's room, so obviously heavy metal made him do it. You should really check out some of, like, the Causation aims. is not coral. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you should really check out some of the campaigns um, from, like, the Christian and catholic people and like the, the uber religious american people in the 80s that are going on campaigns they did fucking tours where they were trying to show people what these records were saying and it's like, so they invented the back mask. they invented it <laughs> like the thing is like no one has done it and the only time it's ever come up ever is after the satanic panic or in response to the satanic panic and it's always been tongue-in-cheek and a fucking joke hmm. i think that's kind of wonderful though Oh, yeah. That it's like you're taking the ownership back from the fear that was created. It's like horror and heavy metal's version of drag is what it comes down to. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Spill the tea, John. <laughs> RuPaul's drag me to hell race. <laughs> and as much as like, there's not really a whole lot else you can do with it. I want more. I want more movies of the devil, Satan, anybody coming from a fucking record. The crazy thing, too, is they do already kind of have their own formula. Like, yeah. we let out the demons. Oh, no, it actually worked. There were real demons. Let's undo everything we've done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's the formula. But I will honestly, I will never get sick of it. Never. Never. I will always watch a heavy metal horror movie because, actually, fun fact, Walmart did not like the title Deathgasm. Oh, yeah? So the alternate title for this movie is actually called Heavy Metal Apocalypse. All right. So it's... it's. So you would buy, like, Satanic Panic, because they also didn't want that. What did they just call it? I panic, think it was just right? Panic, yeah. Oh, my God. So there's a slip cover that went over top that said just Panic. What's with Walmart's fear of Satan? Uh, I, I guess they're real fear. They're like the capitalist overlords. Yeah, but I, I guess the real fear is that their Christian core will... Uh, is it a Christian core? Christian core sounds like a, a version of Christian there metal. There is definitely gonna be... There is definitely a subgenre of music called Christian core. Yeah, like... Godcore. Godcore! Yeah. 
God is love. Let him into your heart. <laughs> He'll forgive your sins. And Don't it- backtrack this record. <laughs> <laughs> I guarantee every single album, probably every single song by any sort of grindcore, straight edge, Christian heavy metal band has the words, washed in the blood of Christ somewhere in there because it's the closest thing you can get to sound in metal. Uh, and they probably all have like concept albums about the book of revelations. Fuck. I kind of want to get into it now. <laughs> I bet it's great. John's new favorite subgenre. <laughs> God core. Yeah. Praise him. Nine, nine, nine. Nine, nine, nine. Yeah. <laughs> three, 16, the number of John. What's that book? John three sixteen. Yeah. There's gotta be a, there's, I'm on the subject. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I think, yeah, I think Walmart's just worried that there's so many Christians in America that if they anger one church, there's going to be a protest. It's going to spread to all the churches and then no one's going to shop at Walmart. The weird thing, though, is like, what is the problem with the word deathgasm? Because it can't be the death. It's got to be the gasm. It's definitely the gasm. Are you kidding me? Nobody's Uh, gasming in the 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 DVD section of the Walmart. I hope nobody's gasming in the DVD section of Walmart. Fuck. Keep your gasms at home. <laughs> we got a fucking pandemic on our hands, people. God. Ew. <laughs> I don't even want to concept that in a post-pandemic world. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. The one thing I will say, and this this comes down to budget, maybe, is I had a real hard time understanding any of the demons. The demon voices were very, yeah, and we couldn't get subtitles on Prime. Yeah, and unfortunately, afterwards, we realized it's, it, it is still on Shudder, which yeah. had subtitles. Sub, fuck. But Prime did not. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's not like, it, like, they're not speaking a different language. It's just. And yeah, there were a bunch of like over voices. Like there were thirty six voices saying whatever they were saying, and yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't tough. make out most of it. it from what I got, bad guys are bad. They want to kill the good guys, and uh, the good guys want to stop them. Yeah, it just confused me because I, I didn't quite understand the plot initially. Like at the end, I kind of figured it out, but I didn't quite understand why there were zombie demon humans running around because i was just like mm. where is this demon guy they invoked why isn't he here oh because they're they're essentially there to clear out the area to make room for the demon guy yeah they're basically just trying to kill everybody i wanted to ask you this because sure. i'm pretty unfamiliar with like metal yeah in general there were a lot of like metal stings and stuff throughout the movie were they were, was it a lot of recognizable metal like were there a lot of bands that you could pinpoint or is this more indie production made music do you think like do you think they a, did a lot of it's, the... de- it's definitely a mix of both like there is some original music that was made for the movie and then there were some songs that are from bands now i'll, I'll say i am not the biggest metalhead don't get me wrong i like him i prefer my metal well i prefer my metal heavy but i but i do prefer seeing bands live uh obviously i i, I have some go-tos um and the songs that were in the movie were definitely like, oh, like I could pick it like, oh, I'm pretty sure this is a Cannibal Corpse song. Like, not that I'm my favorite band, but like I recognize their sound. I did um, see a Cannibal Corpse shirt, I think. So yeah, Oh, yeah. No, there's, Cannibal, <laughs> there's Cannibal Corpse all over this. There's And a poster. Yeah. There's <laughs> Anal Cunt. There's a bunch of bad names. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So that, 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 that is also the problem with metal is that it's sometimes like a specific subgenre of horror. It's antagonistic. It's it's. It doesn't want you to be part of it, you know, but but that's also that comes from 
the Satanic Panic era. Like, the bands that were around in Satanic Panic era, like, yeah, sure, Slayer was there, but they were, like, peak, darkest, baddest band in the world. But it's, like, Judas Priest, Motley Crue, people that you would laugh at now. Motley Crue with their, like, incorrect umlauts? (laughs) Yes, they, they said shout at the devil, Kim. Oh, God, are you kidding me? We can't have our children listening to this. But, like, nowadays, like, the, the it, it's kind of, it's it's all in response to that. Like, the same way that you see with, like, the, like, Tyler, the Creator, and the Odd Future Gang when they were first starting up. It's like, oh, you think we're the worst people? We're the super nicest people in the world, but we're going to show you what you're afraid of. Like, that's that's always the idea, right? Like, the barrier to entry is is your own fear of that subgenre and those people. So you get bands like Anal Cunt or Cannibal Corpse and their album covers especially are horrific. But it's usually just to keep out the people that they wouldn't want around anyway. Mm. I mean, I kind of get that. I bet I don't think I would like have posters of it in my room. But you know, to each their You want to be left alone! But you want to like... be left the fuck alone! <laughs> <laughs> and you only want to talk to people that are also interested in the same music. I get it. Yeah. I, I was never a good enough guitar player to get like that deep into metal. I think had I have discovered metal in high school, I would have been very into it because I was very into like the goth stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, aesthetically, it was like a huge thing for me. And I think that's probably why it's primarily like a high school age thing because fuck yeah. it's metal is about kind of just like vocalizing the negative a- angry upset hurt and almost cruel side of humanity that uh everybody pretends doesn't exist and then when you're a teenager it's kind of the first time you're experiencing those feelings in a concrete way like as an adult and trying to ration them so it makes sense that a lot of teenagers like glom onto that because it's kind of like the the first honesty you see totally Absolutely. It's it's the first honesty you see. It's the first time that you become aware of people lying to you. Like you really as a teenager start to realize what the world is. And it, it's not just what television tells you it is and what your parents tell you it is. Uh, That's you, an important thing. Oh, very important. What your parents say. You start to really piece things together for yourself. And the world is a much darker place. And w- what's waiting for you at the end of it? death so i mean like really you got nothing to look forward to you mix your hormones into that it's a fucking disaster uh and that's the yeah like i, I think Te- that's... being a teenager is rock and roll fuck yeah it is <laughs> fuck yeah it is and like, yeah. just coming through the the understanding the concept of death well yeah because you do come you have to come to terms with it as a teenager like it's yeah. it's something that like as a kid you just aren't aware of or don't or people don't really want to sit you down and and get you to feel the gravity of it. Yeah, like, I remember having to deal with death as a kid, but it was just, like, I remember things like what funerals were like and just, like, how we had to wear black dresses and and everybody always gave me coffee even though I wasn't allowed to have it. Like, you know what I mean? That's the the concept of death when you're young. It's it's not even about the death part. No, it's a celebration of life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, yeah, I think uh, high school, regardless of whether you listen to a medal or not, I think music for a lot of people is is a big part of high school. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just it partly how you find your tribe, you know? So, like, most of the people I hung out with in high school were either metalheads or punks. Like, those those were, like, the real... That was our groups. Venn diagram. It's because yes. I didn't hang out with the metalheads, but I did hang out with the punks. Yeah. And that's where you and I kind of met. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely hung out more with the metalheads than the punks, but, like, we, we, we all got along. We all <laughs> smoked cigarettes at the edge of the high school property line. All the alternative music kids generally got along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were great friends. Um, and like that's that's also true about heavy metal movies. I think like you get the movie heavy metal 
obviously it's like a cartoon horror anthology set in like fucking space and stuff but you know movies like trick or treat uh deathgasm especially you know they are high school movies and maybe that's partly too because that's where you're in a band right like so true you need to have a band that's just trying to discover who they are and be heavier than everybody around them they're they're crate they're digging through crates trying to find Finding unheard spells. of records yeah <laughs> Breaking into the house of like a forgotten metal legend who's hiding out in New Zealand, sleeping like a fucking vampire with the spell clutched to his goddamn chest. I was totally chest. picturing him as Iggy Pop. Me too. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, he kind of looks like a New Zealand Iggy I Pop. I was just like, he's like metal Iggy Pop. <laughs> I bet they tried to get Iggy Pop, and he was like, yeah, you know, I'm a little busy right now. I would have paid good cool. money to see Iggy Pop, like as a no-eyed demon. Oh yeah. He would do a good no-eyed demon. Because he, he can bend backwards, right? <laughs> Have you seen that meme of Iggy Pop performing, like, as, is as just, a senior citizen? Is just this the wrinkles? <laughs> <laughs> and it looks like the fucking Book of the Dead from Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah. And, then, like, the meme is about, like, summoning Kandarian demons or some <laughs> shit. But it really does. It really does. I've seen and it. You know, it's great. It's honestly, it's because he's an older man now, but he is ripped underneath. Still ripped. Yeah, like he was like like veiny and he shit because like, he is, he's got muscles underneath that old man's skin. Oh yeah, he, and he's still touring and he's still fucking going. Like he goes hard. Man, I love Iggy Pop. Oh man, I love that meme. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I love about this movie, too, is that it feels like it's got, like, as much as it has a whole ton of Peter Jackson DNA to it, it's got even more Sam Raimi DNA to yes. it, right? It's super low budget. It's super indie. It's got all of, like, that signature Raimi zoom in where, like, the camera is shifting as it's pulling in. There's, like, way too much wind in the air kicking up every piece of paper. Just Demons somebody... make wind. Yeah, they just, de- yeah, that's right. That's right, <laughs> Demons make And they just, like, turn to the camera just, like, to reveal, like, their eyes fucking just, like, blacked out and shit. Blood coming out their asshole. You know, standard some demon of, stuff. Some of my favorite stuff, and you see it a lot in... Guns Akimbo, because Jason Lee Howden's really delved into that style of filmmaking, is the fun POV handheld type stuff where, like, yes. we're in the mouth of the mamas or as the oh ant is the demon. Yes, and you can see your so fucking good. teeth. And then there's one where, um, it, I think it's the double chainsaw moment where we're POV from the chainsaw as it's like cutting through people and shit. And you're just like, I could watch this for two and a half hours. Yeah, you get like, so the many. The protagonist of those. is the chainsaw. Oh, I fucking love it. Get, like, in Guns Akimbo, you get like POV from like the shotgun, just like like loading a bear. I, I don't love know when guns. you lock on something. <laughs> yes. In a movie, it's it's so creative and so fun, and it it shows that like. Oh yeah, the reason why we like we're this omnipotent eye is just because that's standard. And I love when we break what's standard. Like yes. we don't have to see the whole room. Like show me what the gun sees. Well, it's, it's, it also understands that like this is you, you don't just understand heavy metal music. You understand like the heavy metal emotion. Like there's emotion's the wrong word for well, it. Well, it's but, very like, rock and roll. Yeah, like you you inject heavy metal into the DNA of the film, not just in the story and the characters, but in the actual filmmaking process. Um, we're not really doing enough talk about how fucking funny this movie is. I, and once I don't, I didn't even remember the scene whatsoever when the bad guy is, has, he, he sent somebody out to go kill the rock star and, and get the spell. And he comes back to let him know like, Hey, don't worry. Killed the rock star. Didn't get the spell though. And as punishment, they cut his head off. I think that's the loud, that's the hardest I've laughed 
all quarantined because <laughs> like he gets like these like demon fucking night guys to like cut his head off with a ninja sword or whatever and he's like you idiots you gotta put a tarp down do it again and oh man their posture when they're like holding the head <laughs> like in front of the headless body it is so funny it's great because it just goes it, it goes 30 seconds longer than you expected it to i was like oh they're committing they're actually doing it i honestly thought when he was like do it again we would cut away and like that's that's funny in itself but they literally acted it out again oh boy <laughs> with a tarp yeah this movie is kick ass and it's it's just preposterous in all the funnest ways and you kind of love that it's scrappy and low budget because these movies need to have a feeling of authenticity and they need to have like that passion and that love and you need to see people having fun and you really do with this movie totally so i'm gonna rate it out of 6.66 yeah i'm gonna give it a four out of 6.66 i'm giving it 5.55 out of 6.66 Ooh. 0.55. (laughs) 0.55. And uh, I I do at least want to say that I think the scene where, man, we didn't talk about any of the end of this movie Uh, um, because like it doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense. They save the day. They save the day. (laughs) Um, I don't really care about rules so much, especially the rules are not metal. But uh, the scene where they are making all of their equipment. Like, they're putting the fucking barbed wire on the the weed whacker, and they're just going out to, like, make their own gear, like, their arsenal. It's it's a, it's very reminiscent of the chainsaw building scene in uh, in Evil Dead 2. So true. Yeah, it looks great. Love it. I, I really like a lot about this movie. I had a hard time in that scene, mainly because I know that Zack had kissed Medina, and- What a fucking dick! And I was waiting the whole movie for, like, that shit to get resolved, because I'm like, no! I do not think Zack is cool. I think he's a bad bro. But and we didn't solve it until like the the final act. And I was just like, we got to fucking nip this in the bud. God because damn it. They're not real bros and they're doing bro things like killing <laughs> demons together. He doesn't know how unbro he is. Yes. And I was like, we must unbro the bros. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I also love the man. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to try and not keep talking. But like, I love when he's listening to metal and we, we go into, like, what it feels like to listen to metal, and he's on a fucking mountaintop. Oh, that, and those are so there, great. And, like, lasers come out of his eyes to, like, take off the bra that was there. But, like, I my favorite of that is is when Medina listens to the what, listens to metal for the first time and we see the exact same thing when she's on top of the fucking mountain, girls all around her, big-ass fucking sword. Man, this movie kicks ass. This movie kicks so much ass. <laughs> Not enough nightmare? Become a patron of Nightmare on Film Street to instantly access hours of bonus episodes. Unlock frightfully good rewards like shout-outs on the show, stickers, and more. Only at patreon.com slash nightmare on film street. <laughs> Would you like to talk about another heavy metal movie? Absolutely, I would. This one, maybe not as explosive and fun, but like full of fucking hellfire. We're talking about Sean Burns, The Devil's Candy. We've come to the place where we joke about the idea of the devil. But that is Satan's lie to distract us from the reality of who he is. what's going on it's like it flowed through me i don't remember painting this 
This is mommy and daddy's house. They're dead. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I need to come home now. We are his pawns. We are his demons on earth. He uses us to carry out his unspeakable deeds. We satiate his hunger. Your latest work is wonderfully disturbing. Oh my God. I didn't mean to do this. To sacrifice. He will slither into your soul. in a Halloween store. He's not what you see in the movies. He is an active, violent, personal reality. Just the gas? He's right. You are the sweetest candy of them all. The Devil's Candy from 2017 is currently sitting at a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, 6.4 out of 10 on IMDb. RogerEbert.com gave it a 3.5 out of 4, but Letterboxd says 3.3 out of 5. Doesn't 2017 feel like so long ago? I was looking at my Letterboxd, January feels so long ago. Is that just like quarantine brain or is that me getting older and having a I'm a, I'm a, like I'm, an, <laughs> a senior citizen's understanding of time? Like, ah, yes, revolving around the sun. I understand it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm inclined to say, yeah, it's quarantine. Quarantine's made time weird. But every year when we try to put together our top 10 movies of the year, I'm like, that was this year? That wasn't forever ago? Devil's Candy feels like it's been out for at least six years. At least. 12 years even. I mean... I'm pushing it. No, it feels like it came out in 2015. Well, it hit the festival circuit in 2015 and um, didn't really get released, released until 2017. So kind of a Tigers Are Not Afraid situation happening with that one. I wonder why that was. Maybe it was just looking for distribution or... Something. Because it did... It ended up on Netflix for a while. That was the reason why we didn't own it up until recently was because it was on Netflix. And then obviously we were like, let's do it on the podcast. No longer on Netflix. No longer <laughs> anywhere in Canada. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Thank God for that Shout Factory sale. Right. Blessed be. <laughs> I think this is a really interesting pairing because Devil's Candy is nothing like Deathgasm. It's a completely different... It's rock and roll! Yeah, it's 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 a completely different take on like a heavy metal movie, right? And I wouldn't say it's like, oh, it's just a horror movie that has some characters who like heavy metal. Like this movie's fuck this movie's fucking metal, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and the the fun thing is this movie is also very ambiguous in its representation of the devil. It's a very small story and I almost forget that in rewatching it for the podcast just how vague 
the devilly references are in the movie. It's kind of more of a story about this family and this crazy guy who wants their daughter. Oh, yeah, but, like, would the devil ever fucking... Re- like, when you really think about making a deal with the devil, would it, would it really be, like, the witch where some guy in great leather shows up and's just like, yo, give me your soul, I'll give you everything you want. Feed me your daughter and you can be a famous artist. Like, or would it just be implications and inferring oh you're getting too far into it because <laughs> i like so i do want to get to the bottom of who and where and what the devil is doing in this movie that's and, a complicated mess i'll tell you right now exactly so like i want i want to get into it but yeah like what is Prue Ta- taylor vince's involvement in okay okay yeah it's 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 so much <laughs> let's let's at least do the one thing we both want to do and admit that Pruitt Taylor Vince improves every movie he's in. And Ethan Embry's abs. All right, sure, sure. In this movie in particular. Yeah, no, Devil's His Candy. His sweaty painter abs. <laughs> it's, it's really a family film. His paint-covered ladder climbing, airbrush spraying, sweaty can't-protect-his-family abs. <laughs> See, it's got metal for your dads. It's got a nice identifiable teenage daughter. Like I'm saying, Devil's Candy, fun for the whole family. And Ethan Embry's abs. I think Ethan Embry's abs are for everyone. <laughs> sure. I get so much out of it. You, en- looks co- you enjoyed it when it was combined with metal. Because you were just like, yeah, this scene's with the scene rocks. And I so, was like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> Hard agree. That is, that is the fun part about watching a movie like this with you. Uh, or just your wife in general, whoever you are listening to this. Uh, yeah, like the, the scene. Oh, fuck. This movie looks so good. And it kicks so much fucking ass. And uh, yeah, it's it's like a Harlequin novel come to life. <laughs> he is the Fabio of my my metal dreams. <laughs> metal Fabio, I love it. Metal Fabio sounds weird. Shout out to Ethan Embry's wig for most of this movie. <laughs> there's there's a few reshoots that are just like eh. the the only scene where I was like, ooh, that wig is I think the first time he's dropping off his daughter, and it's like way too low on his forehead, and we're like, ooh. What if you find out that he grew his hair out for this movie, including that scene, and he's just having a bad day? Well, congratulations on his forehead on shrinking a few inches, but uh, it looks great though when it's all sweaty and gross. Like I I, I don't know why I'm into like sweaty and gross hair, but John, it worked for you. I mean, thanks. It just—he looks like he's getting stuff done. Like, guy's busy. He's—he's—I—I I don't know. And he's got his like, I'm an artist ponytail, an art or a ponytail that's got purpose is a ponytail I'm all right by. You hate the '80s movie producer ponytail? Is that what it is? Exactly. Like, okay. if you're not chopping wood, no ponytail for you. Oh yeah, you have—you have to have already been sweating and been and like, then, how do I get this out of the way? Yeah, just like ah, and then like, <laughs> so it you, falls out you halfway wove through. a hair tie from from the the <laughs> tail of a squirrel. What? <laughs> this is very specific. Go ahead, keep telling me a little more about your weird your your weird ponytail fetish. I, I didn't know I was into it until this movie. Also, like, shirtless guys on ladders. That's a thing now. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I can at least But they have to be possessed by the devil, I think. Yeah. It's a very specific fetish. (laughs) I I mean, the age of the internet, no fetish too small. No fetish too niche? I don't know. Is there an Ethan Embry fan site just for this movie? Sure there is. It's (laughs) nofspodcast.com. He has appeared on multiple, oh uh, my God, multiple lists about dad bods, cool dads. Shout out to Jessica's dreamy dads list. <laughs> it's the thirstiest corner of our website, and it's so wonderful. 
Also, a little like asterisk to the first of several. <laughs> <laughs> There's at least two right now as of recording. I'm sure another one's going to pop up before this episode even goes out. You know, I was wondering how this episode was going to go, and it's gone pretty much how I've <laughs> you expected. <laughs> Oh, it's so great because there are slow motion scenes of him just like fucking spray painting a canvas, and like, like we're we're both <laughs> drooling over the over the TV, and, and for various reasons, I guess. For all those demonic visuals, yeah, the sweaty, sweaty demonic <laughs> visuals. <laughs> what did you like about the movie? John? It's so funny that I'm uh, that like my guy in the movie is the exact opposite of Ethan Embry, like Pruitt Taylor Vince, like fucking like 350 pound bald Pruitt Taylor Vince who wears a uh, jumpsuit the whole movie. I love his tracksuit. <laughs> I love his tracksuit. He's so fucking good in this. I love him in everything. He is amazing in everything. He is one of my favorite actors of all time. I've never seen him uh, on screen in the smallest part, just in the background and not immediately ignored everything else that was happening. Like, even in Natural Born Killers, he's a jail guard in that movie. He's in it for 30 seconds. I spent the entire third act wondering what he was up to. I also think it comes down to that he he's this archetype character almost without, I don't know, like, he's got this, who would I compare him to? Almost like a Steve Buscemi character, whereas, like, you have to be very careful in what you put him in. But if you put him in the right role, it just elevates your movie to that next level. He's the Steve Buscemi of John Goodman's? He is the Steve Buscemi of John Goodman's. As Ray in this movie, too, he is just crazy dangerous. And he's the first person we see at the beginning of the movie, right? Like, it's the middle of the night. He's got the crucifix up on his wall. We start hearing fucking, like, devil voices in the room with him. And he starts playing fucking guitar in the middle of the night to drown out the goddamn sounds. Oh, man. This movie's metal. I love it. I love it so much. And I think that's our first take on on what this movie's not necessarily trying to say, but like how it's treating heavy metal. Um, because arguably, the music is not evil, which is how it's generally interpreted, or at least seen throughout the entire 80s. We talked a little bit about it at the top of the podcast. But, you know, these these voices, the sinister fucking devil voice is trying to get to him. It's trying to influence him. And we learn later he's definitely got a bit of a dark past where maybe he was doing some things that he didn't want to do, hurting people beyond his control. And the music, the louder he plays it, the more he doesn't hear the voices, the more he remains a calm, sane person who doesn't hurt anybody. And, uh, and that's interesting to think of how, like, teens kind of glom on to metal music. Fuck yeah! Because it's the first thing that they that they hear that that echoes back their, the dark emotions and sentiments that you go through at that time, which is perfect because, like, you're, you're drowning out. It's almost like you're drowning in the feelings that everybody's ignoring. Yeah! <laughs> well, and, and too, like, I know you, t- okay, so you like the beer tent of a heavy metal festival, but, like, when you're at... Any sort of live event, especially if you're super close to the stage or like maybe just off to the side where the speakers are. Oh, I do is, not like that. Oh, that's where I like to go. That is that's my sensory deprivation tank. Where like I'm I'm packed in too tight. I can barely breathe. There's people everywhere. So you're I trying to emulate I anxiety. I just want you to know, <laughs> like as somebody who's experienced the elevated heart rate and all that like scary shit that happens with anxiety, where you think like, oh god, I've I've 
converted myself into heart attacks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's what I get when I'm at the side of the stage. Like, I don't like messing with my heartbeat. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, I, I remember that one time we were at, like, a, I was either at a protest the hero show or maybe it was Lamb of God. And, like, you could just fucking feel your bones rattling with, like, every bass drum. You made me move away from the speaker. You couldn't handle it. I, I was get, like, I, get I don't it. like this. But I'm also the person who loves, uh, like, d- don't don't breathe movies that just. Like, I love not being able to breathe. <laughs> yeah, I I love that anxiety feeling that certain horror movies and suspense uh, can can give me, and I understand why it's not necessarily your bag. Um. But that's that's exactly what what Prue Taylor Vince is trying to do there, right? Like he's got this. It's I mean, it's not the biggest Marshall stack I've ever seen, but he's got a cool fucking Marshall speaker to go with his flying V guitar, and he's just got it fucking cranked up. So that's uh, that's all he can hear, all he can think about, all he can feel is the sound of that fucking tritone just like going through his whole fucking body. Sorry, uh, I used to play guitar. <laughs> But that's 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 also what's interesting about what he's doing there. So it's uh, it's it's called a tritone. Uh, it was the devil's note, essentially, oh. or the devil's chord. It's uh, it's it's essentially pure dissonance. It's Latin, kinda. <laughs> so speaking in three languages, one's an ancient one that's dead, and nobody knows what he's saying. Second one, you know, your standard uh, G chord, and then <laughs> <laughs> your standard G chord. Yeah, augment the fifth if you want, but. Yeah, no, music music was always weird. Music uh music that has sounded like metal uh has always been frowned on forever. Um and I'm not saying that there's been some crusade against like dark stuff, but I mean back when the church controlled everything, yeah, there were crusades against dark stuff. They wouldn't even play uh they wouldn't even play sixth chords. This is like because the elevator not stopping on the 13th floor shit. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, like I'm I'm losing my plot a little bit, but but yeah, um, and I love that that's our first introduction to metal and what it's doing specifically for this character in The Devil's Candy. Yeah, and he makes such an interesting villain too because the more time we spend with him, you realize how erratic he is. And and Sean Byrne, the director, does a really great job of not showing us really impactful moments and skipping us ahead Fuck yeah. so that we're dropped into a situation where um, it's almost like just after the climax has happened. And so things that you would normally cinematically be shown in a movie are taken away from you. So you just have to have this like sinking feeling of like, oh shit, it's already happened. That creates such a natural dread response. And it really amplifies this movie in a way that connects you to it. And it's just like, it's a very uncomfortable watch in that sense. <laughs> but um, the more time we spend with with Pruitt Taylor Vince's character, the more you realize that he might actually not be the bad guy. And no. he's, he's, he's either an unfortunate either it's a, victim, right? Either it's a mental illness thing that yeah. he's fallen victim to or this this possession or this coaxing from some darker presence. Right. Some <laughs> presence. Uh, yeah, it's like it's forcing him to do these things. And he's very successful at it. And we don't even get to see how successful he is, but through Ethan Embry's paintings. Yeah, because Ethan Embry and his family, they they move into Ray's house. Ray uh, Ray's killed his parents, and we don't necessarily know what's happened with him. Like we, we're, yeah, we're I think a police around. a police officer says that he's been in a facility for twenty years. That comes later in the movie. I think the twenty years that he spent in a facility is 
before he's come back. I, I, I see the like the very opening of the movie as sometime either sometime has passed or he's very recently home again mm. after being in the facility. Yeah, that makes sense. And um yeah, Mum unplugs his guitar, he can't play loud enough to drown out the voices, he kills both his parents, and then I guess just disappears because the house is on the market and and Ray's family moves in. And yeah, like he starts um he starts like automatic painting fugue painting fugue painting is probably the best way to put it yeah he doesn't remember painting these this dark fucking metal shit but uh it just flows through him even his pre-possessed paintings i have to say like he's painting some butterflies for the bank yeah and it's like they're on blood (laughs) yeah like it definitely looks like it would be the inside artwork to an album like it's not it's not gonna sell like a new but we're gonna put the lyrics on it yeah right it's just like oh yeah it's like i I guess this is uh i mean fuck you just add a little like burnt around the edges like it's like a scroll that we found tone overlay yeah (laughs) it's still kind of fucking metal but yeah, like, I, I want to go to that bank. I was like, I don't know if like that bank is definitely run by the devil. What is it's his... the devil's bank? <laughs> it's the devil's bank. What is? Oh, the, all they do is, is is. What if he's been painting for the devil his whole life? I mean, that might be how most artists feel. Oh, but like, I, I definitely want to meet the bank manager who looked at his previous portfolio and went, "This guy's perfect to paint butterflies." <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, his first painting though is like. His first fugue painting? His first fugue painting. It's cool, but it's not like I look at it and I'm like, oh my God, the next great artist has arrived. I have had but, an epiphany. But I guess- And it's an upside down cross. Yeah, right? It's it's just a cool upside down cross. It looks cool. But um, when he brings it to the art gallery, there is a sense of he has arrived. And I think it's probably just that there is like- the painting is essentially just an indication that the voices are in him. Have reached him. Yeah, so like it's it has nothing to do... Ugh, fuck, I don't want to talk too much about the art gallery. We can fall into a rabbit hole if we talk about the art gallery. But it's... Okay, so he paints a cool upside-down cross. I think it looks great. It looks, it looks like a cooler inside artwork piece than the butterflies. But uh, yeah, he eventually paints over those butterflies and like they become fucking just like dead kids. Including his daughter. Yeah, and well, his daughter's at the bottom of the painting, and she's not dead, but she's screaming out. Yeah. And she's surrounded by these ever-increasing dead children, which is fucked. I love when his wife comes in, though, and, like, she's great, because she is not, uh, she's not a metalhead whatsoever. She's just a nice Texas gal, and- She does have a little bit of color in her hair, though, so I think she was metal in her days, but I think she started to grow up a little bit. But I, I do set one aside note say that I love their family dynamic. Their family's great. I love I love I love them a lot. It's maybe a little weird how close friends Jesse and Zoe are. But it's cool. I mean, like, you should strive to be friends with your kids, I it's guess. Probably my favorite part of the movie is him just trying to figure out how to be a good dad. And, like, how to be a dad in general. Yeah. His dad plot arc is, like, my favorite thing of this whole movie. It's the whole movie, though, Um, right? Because he continually fails at being an alpha, if that makes sense. Like, he's, he's given these opportunities throughout the film to save them and to save his daughter and to protect her. And he Mm. fails at it over and over and over again. And uh, I'm jumping ahead here, but the moment when he gets shot in, like, the big finale, I definitely had a little secret cry. Oh, did you? I totally cried. Oh, wow. I felt so bad for him and his ass. 
he's never gonna climb that ladder again. Oh God! <laughs> what kind of reach is he gonna have? Who shoots wound? those abs? <laughs> I think maybe you were just upset that those abs did not stop a bullet. I was sad that they gave him a baseball bat and they didn't let him use it. But the thing is, the greatest part is when we when he grabbed that baseball bat and Prue Taylorman's is trying to get in the house. He's like holding it like he's never held a baseball bat in his life. And I'm like, oh yeah, those are painting muscles. Those aren't, <laughs> those aren't like physical effort muscles. He doesn't know how to use those for for pain. <laughs> <laughs> for pain. <laughs> I love I, I uh, you know my my favorite part in terms of their family dynamic uh, which I think says everything about them is well actually I do love the montage where they're moving in I think that's a lot of fun but it's when they're driving to go see the house for the first time right like he's still fucking dirty because he forgot they had an appointment he got lost in his painting his hands are covered in paint he's sweaty and greasy and they're just fucking headbanging uh, in the car And but mom is there and she's just like <laughs> do you mind if we listen to something a little less heavy <laughs> that's great like that is that that is a capsule moment it's that, just a sweet moment yeah, yeah. But I really, I think it's very funny when uh, when Astrid comes into the barn to see, like, the really horrifying painting that he's been working on that has their daughter in it. And they're both just like, we can never let Zoe see this. And every single time I'm like, why? I bet she'd think it would be, like, it's fucking rad. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Dad, you painted me in Hellfire? Put it in my room. I'm sick of looking at those fucking teddy bears. I guarantee she would ask to keep it. As creepy as it is. As creepy as it is. But it's still cool as shit. If I walked into a room as a 14-year-old girl, uh, <laughs> I saw somebody <laughs> had painted me in fucking hellfire. Like, yeah, I would I would politely ask for that painting. It would be on my wall immediately. Wouldn't you? I don't know. You think it'd be it's creepy? Lot, it's pretty red. <laughs> Speaking of which, the montage where he's doing the painting and it's intercut with Pruitt Taylor Vince killing a bunch of kids and there's yeah. like blood, paint, blood, well, yeah, because he's like mixing the tub, paint and blood, shit. paint. It looks so good. Oh, it's so good. And you don't see anything. Like that's what's cool about it is that like you don't you don't see him cutting up a kid, but like you really get the same like feeling of I just watched somebody hack a body into pieces, put it in a suitcase, and bury it with a oh. dozen other suitcases. The the suitcases really got me in the same way that they kind of, it's got that like Henry portrait of a serial killer vibe, and yeah. that there's like a level of preparation, and that like oh yeah, I can cut this small enough to fit inside a carry on suitcase. He's done it before. Yeah. He's, he definitely knows what size to get. Well, and when he finally succeeds in kidnapping Zoe, which we will get to, he has the suitcase ready. And that is just like, ugh, the cringiest no, 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 no moment. Can you imagine working at a Target and somebody's coming in buying suitcases like every week, every other week? Or just a lighter guy? for a can of gasoline? Well, that's a little, yeah, that's <laughs> a little much. That gas that gas station attendant should have called the police. And he had dirty fingernails. Ugh. Also, I don't think you're supposed to bring the gas can with you into the gas station. So weird. But yeah, let's talk about the the fascination with Zoe and the kidnap of Zoe because that's the main plot of this movie is that either the devil or Ray Pruitt Taylor Vince wants Zoe yeah and is very fixated on Zoe yeah she she is the devil's candy he really tries his best to drown those voices out but there is definitely a moment where he decides I'm going all in on the devil voice right because mm -hmm. he gives her the guitar. The guitar is literally, the, the guitar and the amp are his only line of defense against the evil voices that are trying to influence him and control him. 
But when he gives he gives it to her as a gift, he's got nothing he's got nothing to protect himself against anymore. And the worst part, I guess, is and, that But it also it's might a gift. be a thing too because she's living in his house and she's actually in his bedroom. So it might also be a thing in in terms of like he because he likes her and that they have something in common and she kind of showed him a kindness. Yeah. That he is doing a kind gesture by giving giving his only line of defense to the girl who might now be next in line to be possessed. Sure. And it, it's it's causing him to be more vulnerable. He does he does a lot of nice guy things if you look at it as mental illness, right? Like, mm-hmm. sure, absolutely. Because you're right. She is the only person that gives him the time of day, that smiles at him, and is just, like, willing to shoot the shit and say, hello, how are you? You're a human being. Everybody else is scared of him, apprehensive, or just doesn't want him to do what he needs to do. No one's no one's helping him. Murder children. No, well, yeah. So that's that's the sure, but like we, you know. No, I, 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 yeah, I get it. I do like looking at this more of a Satanist movie, or um, absolutely, it's way more fun. But it opens up so many questions. Like one, is it the house? Is it just the house? The house is like this. I uh, maybe it's an eye on the world. This house, and that's how he saw the opportunity to possess Pruitt Taylor Vince because maybe he he is susceptible. Maybe he does have an underlying mental illness, and he's able to control. That's where he saw his ideal candy. Um, mm-hmm. That's where he saw Ethan Embry's character, this almost like intuitive person who he could he could communicate through. Maybe it's, it's metal. It seems <laughs> like it's the house is this is the spot. Maybe the devil's territorial, right? And to Texas, this area of Texas is just his fucking hunting ground. It's like the shark and Jaws. It confuses me so because yeah, then no, also no. the art gallery is also the devil. There's so I, I it's I, all the devil. It defi- I think everything <laughs> is the devil. It definitely does not want to try and point directly to any one thing. Like it, you're right, it leaves a lot of ambiguity, and I think that's perfect because I think you need to have that like sense of what's going on here and what's supposed to happen because the devil's power isn't that he can control you; it's that he can make suggestions. That is that is your classic Bible, which is sinister because that implies you're the one that sins you're the one that sins right it's just that you've got this nagging asshole on your shoulder going like i think it's a good idea i think i think you should do it i think i think it would be a lot of fun for all of us hey what if we do the bad thing (laughs) hey just spitballing here what about the bad thing (laughs) oh manly you're always in a pitch meeting with the absolute worst person but what if we do what's worse (laughs) yeah Oh, it's good. And yeah, you're like, I mean, you're right. Cause like the, the guitar couldn't necessarily, couldn't, doesn't necessarily have to be him signaling that he's met what the devil actually wants. Cause maybe, maybe the voices will go away after he kills her specifically. The other ones have just been appetizers. She's the fucking dessert. She's what the devil really wants. Ultimately, I think what the devil really wants is suffering. Like in the I, movie. I think he wants people to sin. I think the the real candy is getting somebody to deliver the candy. And it seems like if he can get as many people involved as as possible, that's also great because not only is Ray part of it, but also her dad. And I I think it's just that despair, right? Because if he does have another glass of cognac and doesn't go pick up his daughter in time and Ray gets her, then it's really all his fault and he will just be in he will be in a hell of his own creation at the death of his daughter. But it will also mean 
uh, like there's a reward for it, which is becoming part of that art gallery and being represented by that art That dealer. scene with the... I fucking love that scene oh, so much. The, the, I remember the first time I watched it, like my jaw dropping open and just looking at you and being like, is that the devil? <laughs> is, that, Did he t- is that the fucking devil in like, his home? I was like, is he the fucking devil? <laughs> he's so good. Like he's maybe one of my favorite interpretations visualizations of the devil on film oh and like, it's, as a it's brief too like it's oh yeah. you expect even that like in any other movie he would have such a larger part to play in this movie but because it's just a sniff it's just a whiff of the right? devil yeah and like when we get um black philip outside and it's just, fucking- it's just it's just a sniff of philip and then the final version of the painting where there's all of those eyes and there's like the, the fucking s- like cerberus dogs it's, yeah it's almost like somebody cut black philip open and like flattened it out and you see like oh he actually has eight eyes if you flattened him out you know what i mean hell yeah it's a really wonderfully terrifying interpretation of this like hellscape philip i love philip I, well, I think MVP. It, I, to be perfect, like not to not to break your heart. Or MVP, MV Philip. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when we're looking at the painting, it is dogs. And Most not valuable, goat, Philip. But, okay, <laughs> it's a goat. Refuse to hear it. Okay. <laughs> Ray and and Zoe are so oh, it's uncomfortable whenever they're interacting. Like when, like when he's at the door, it's 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 okay, you know. But he's, when he appears in her bed, her fucking bed <gasps> in the middle of the night. See, and that's one of those those things that I was saying about how we skip him yeah. breaking into the house. It doesn't matter. We hear the sounds of somebody climbing into her bed and it's after dad has spent the whole night in this fugue thing. So you almost think that he's going to just lie with her because oh, yeah. she's the sense of solace for him. And instead, it's the fucking guy that wants to murder her. Yeah, it's fucking scary. Oh, it is terrifying. And then also, the next sequence when he is going to burn the house down. Even before that, when he kidnaps her at school, we don't see any of that We happening. don't see any of it. We just know that Ethan Embry does not get there in time. She's nowhere to be found. And the next, the next moment we see her, she is gagged and duct taped on his bathroom floor. With a suitcase right beside her and the saw. Ugh. Oh, it's good. After the, yeah, after the kidnapping, the police are actually really great in this. Like, we're going to get you witness protection program. Pretty good, so yeah. the family are packing suitcases, ready to leave. It's the final climax of the film. And we don't get to see, but you just hear violence and screaming outside. And all that's outside are two police officers charged with protecting this small family. They have basically just been murdered out front with a car and a rock. Yeah, and now he's upgraded from rock to gun. And then he's, he's got a gun. He's got the cop's fucking gun now. And then it becomes like a true crime story playing out in front of your very eyes. Like when when Ethan Embry gets shot and then mom gets shot in the closet and you don't see oh it. My God. And it's just like, I, I honestly, like I, I couldn't even physically stop myself. I like cried the whole scene. Yeah, I couldn't even handle <laughs> it. It was so jarring. It was just they were so helpless. I feel I feel a little bad for Shuri Appleby in this movie, the the actress who plays mom, Astrid, because she's not she doesn't have a huge role in this movie, but Jesus is she's she, great. In she that. she is incredible in every single she, scene she's in, especially that ending. Oh, she's so good in it. Because they're hide like oh man, talk about not showing the things that you normally show, right? Like they're hiding in a closet somewhere, and we stay with Ethan Emery's body on the floor while Ray goes into that closet. Fucking gunshots go for off, and he comes know, back out with dead. Zoe. Like yeah. for all we know, she's we, dead. I I honestly could not remember whether or not she was, and for a half a second thought that was it, oh. and it's even. 
worse than that because she comes crawling out and is just like begging for her daughter's life. And he tries to shoot her in the head, but he's out of bullets. Oh. And oh. what about Zoe being dragged out neck, like past, for all like we the, know, yeah. her dead parents. Like everybody like has failed her. That- the police <laughs> have failed her. Her parents have failed her. Her dad has failed her again. But like- you feel, you feel that too when later on, so like, okay, so Ray is starts, he starts setting the house on fire. Like the house is so on fire that Ethan Embry, we keep saying Ethan Embry. <laughs> <laughs> that Jesse can't, can't run upstairs to go save her. He literally has to get a ladder and break in through her bedroom window, which is already on fire. They are in that fiery bedroom for a real long time. You know, we're just lucky that she had so many flame retardant posters. There would be too much smoke in there to film. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But like, you feel all of that in in Zoe when, you know, okay, there's a scuffle, uh, Jesse kills Ray, and just like, the most fucking metal moment ever. We all guys, saw your tweet. The guy's on fire! <laughs> he beats him to death with the guitar! The guitar breaks! He stabs him with the fucking guitar! I love every minute of it. It's, 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 oh god, is it incredible. But he, he has to coax, he has, like, in, even in the middle of a fucking inferno, he has to remind his daughter that she can still trust him. Because literally every moment up until then, he has failed her, like you were saying. And it's like, it's a lot for her to actually jump out of that bed and into his arms. Yeah. There's so much fucking emotion in this movie. It's, it's insane. It's sad, and it's it's interesting, too, because in that sequence, there's I, I would say that nothing paranormal happens in the fire sequence. No, I don't think but so. But when she is still captive by Ray, Pruitt Taylor Vince, he says, like, look, it's he's here. Look out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we actually get a chance to, like, look in the fire, and we're, like, looking through the fire, and I don't see anything. Yeah, so that's that's another... I think that's another smart move the movie takes, though. To, like, bring the ambiguity back in. Yeah, because it could just as easily be a story about a guy with a mental illness. And it could just, and you know, which is also happening uh, around the time that Jesse is having this breakthrough in his art that's, like, so impactful that he goes into a flow state where he literally forgets about his entire family and all of his obligations. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, like, the art dealer doesn't have to be the devil, but in, in some small way, supernatural or not, he is sacrificing his family for his art, and he's not willing to do that. Oh, fuck. There's, there's so many little things about this movie that we haven't even talked about. I, mean, I don't know that we necessarily have time for, but I, I love, uh, I love the televangelist that we keep cutting to that Prude Taylor Vince is watching in his hotel room. Because there is, like, this sinister vibe to it. Yeah. Like, it's is the like, devil talking to him through an evangelical is preacher? The, is the evangelical preacher the devil? Everybody's the devil. All, all of the, sh- like, the red shots through the, the cross on the oh door. Oh, my God. Especially with Prue Taylor Vince oh. just, like, disappearing into darkness, fading into focus. Oh, man. It's even worse when he has a gun and Ethan Emery's just looking out the window and you're like, <laughs> what are you doing? Also, this movie just has a killer soundtrack. Holy shit. And, uh, you, you know, I guess I, I I guess it's worth at least mentioning the, the, the sort of, like, savior-like moment at the end where where Jesse realizes that, like, oh, yeah, these kids aren't, these kids have been screaming out to me. But, like, rather than putting it into this Hellfire Escape painting, I can take the those voices and, I guess, in a sense, use it for good, get salvation for these kids by un like digging up their corpses around mm. his property. There's a whole bunch of suitcases buried in their yard. Yeah. Cuz that's uh, you know we we found out from the cops that that Ray has been doing this for a while. Since like, he was 12, I think. Yeah, he killed like a 9-year-old. He hit a 9-year-old girl in the head and tried to bury her. 
Which sounds like it was just the first in a long line of, of kids that he's been killing for the devil. Fuck. This movie kicks a lot of ass. It's such a crazy story. I love this movie so and much. And, like, it, it's so well shot, and it's it, it leaves a level of ambiguity where you're like, I want answers, but you almost don't oh, want answers. Oh, I do answers. not want answers. Yeah. I like that I like that feeling of wanting answers. I do not want answers. <laughs> never, never. All right, so do you want to get to ratings? Four out of, no. Oh, we already dropped. 6.66 <laughs> out of 6.66. That's our new rating system. We're sticking with it. All right, so I'm going to give this 6.66 Ethan Embry abs out of 6.66 <laughs> Ethan Embry abs. Sure, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I love Oh, that's it. That's the, we're not rating. I thought <laughs> I thought you were giving me two qualifiers like, okay, well, very clearly I got the Ethan Embry rating and then oh. also the rating for the movie. Oh, yeah. I I think this is There's a there's a few like dialogue moments where I'm just like, "Meh," but uh I I think this movie is wonderful. It's the kind of movie that I I have not rewatched enough, but Oh man, but like, do you really want to burn yourself out on it? I know. Or do I, you just want to revisit it like once every few years and just love every second of I it? I feel like I could watch this movie every three months. I, f- I think I could. I think I would like to. I think we should watch it in October. I think that's a great idea. Mm, it's on the yes. Halloween watch list this year. Ooh, that's a good idea. So have we confirmed who the devil is? The preacher. Everything. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We completely glossed over the idea that we've got an Australian director who came to, like, the fucking Bible Belt of America to make a devil movie. To make a heavy metal devil movie. That's an interesting choice. Because that's also, like, the most America America of America. Like, the, that, <laughs> that boot on the map. <laughs> it's the apple pie of... <laughs> yeah, like you... Of windowsills. <laughs> oh, boy. I cannot wait to see another Sean Byrne movie. I know it's probably gonna be a little while. Um... Because he seems like a very patient, takes his time guy. Yeah, well, and he does he does write and direct, so I'm sure he's he's got something close to the chest right now, and I cannot wait until we get the chance to see it. Kim and I love both of these movies, but very clearly, The Devil's Candy is the winner of this week's Head to Head. But that's just our opinion. Let us know what you thought of both of these movies over on Twitter at NOFS Podcast. At facebook.com slash groups slash horror fiends of NOFS and of course uh, anywhere else. Reddit, <laughs> Instagram, you know where to find us. Thanks again for listening. If you aren't already subscribed, hit that button wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you have a couple seconds, please leave us a five-star rating and review. It really helps us grow the show. And if you'd like to support us, Nightmare on Film Street is a labor of love. Head over to patreon.com slash Nightmare on Film Street. There are tons of bonus episodes, content, and rewards for you there in exchange for supporting the show. And all of the money that we make on Patreon uh, goes to our Nightmare on Film Street expenses and contests and giveaways and everything we do to grow the brand. So we appreciate all of our patrons so, so, so much. And as always, you can support the show for free by just recommending it to a friend, tweeting about it, uh, helping us grow the horde. But until next time, I'm John. Um, Kim? Stay, Stay creepy. It appears you made it out alive, but we'll get you next time. Help us to grow the horde. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. More terror can be found lurking on our website, nofspodcast.com. Until next time, 
Stay creepy, fiends. Oh, our voicemail box is full. I guess we should listen to some of these. Hello, my name is Destiny Soria. I'm director, writer of Christmas Slasher. Christmas Slasher follows a group of college kids, and, well, there's a surprise at the cabin. Um, there is a killer, Rudolph, who turns into a zombie with Santa Claus and Mrs. Claus. We also have a little elf and a sled that comes to life when um, you come close to it. So we'll be filming next year. It has Nicholas Brandon, Celeste Rose, Lloyd, and some other good, amazing talent. Look out for Christmas Slasher. He's coming to town for revenge. Thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I had him smell, please, please. Oh my God, <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer has turned into a zombie. <laughs> He's going to kill us. Oh my God. Oh, please, please, no. Oh my God. Christmas Slasher, coming soon. Got something to say? Share it on the Nightmare on Film Street hotline. 705-400-9415. That's 705-400-9415. We double-dog dare ya. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.